The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's our final show. Before the All-Star break, I got jokes. They say Dan's got jokes. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Friday weekend All-Star break edition of Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball presentation. That's hoop-ball.com, the website. I am Dan Vespris, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespris. If I had had the foresight, I would not have put my annoying last name in my Twitter handle, but it's there now, so you guys are all stuck with it. It's D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or you can just Google search Dan from Hoopball. I would uh, strongly suggest checking it out. That would make me very happy, and I hope that I could then provide content that would subsequently make you guys happy. I want to start this big show by letting you guys know what we got coming up on said large one. We got a week in review, our typical Friday action uh, biggest ads of the week, including some kind of uh, look aheady sort of ads that uh, are, are mostly stash relevant. Drops, holds, streamers, watch list guys. And a couple of buy low names. One of them, I think, is probably more workable than the other. And as I've talked to you guys about before, I don't like to make the buy low sell high. Just a simple, oh, who's a guy who's underperforming for a week or something like that? Because you guys know, and I know, people aren't going to trade someone because they had one bad week. It just doesn't work like that. Trading is a psychological mind bend where you need to find someone whose value you either fully agree on or completely disagree on. There can't be like a weird gray area where you think someone's going to give up on a guy after a week, even though you guys both know there's no real change to them. So, like, I think one good way, one exercise you could do to try to understand what I'm talking about here is to look at the uh, preseason ranks for guys on Yahoo, basically, like, the, the order that they expected people to be drafted in, and then look at where they're ranked right now, and then look at where they're ranked over, say, the last two weeks, and... Did anything jump out? Like, uh, Jason Tatum is number 65 over the last two weeks. But do you think anyone really believes that he's a top 70 guy now? I'll give you a name that probably falls onto the other side of that spectrum. John Collins is number 83 over the last two weeks. He's already a guy that people were down on because his role was being diminished in Atlanta this year. Coaching change now. We don't know how that's going to shake things out. He's definitely on the trade block. We know that for sure. So that's an example of someone who is down, where he's a top 40 to 45 range guy for most of the season, and then he's got two weeks where he's in the 80s, and people might look at that and think, look, I was already frustrated with this guy. This is pushing me over the edge. Whereas with a guy like Tatum, who's, you know, he's a top mid to late 20s guy on the air, which isn't, mind you, where he was drafted, but, you know, three, four weeks of top 40 or top 60 or whatever we were just talking about, that's not going to turn someone on him. Because the reasons it's happening are very clear. They're, they're crystal clear. He's shooting 39% over the last month. You fix that, you fix all of it. His field goal percent, remember last year he got off to that super high volume Really low field goal percent start. It was actually the beginning of the year last year. I think first two months or so, he was in that like mid-20s to mid-40s range and kind of bouncing back and forth. And then all of a sudden, he got hot, and he shot like 50% the rest of the year and catapulted himself to the end of the first round. Okay, that's an easy one. You and the other guy are going to... You're not going to be able to make a trade there because you're going to be trying to convince them of something you don't actually believe. In any event... Point here is buy lows and sell highs. There's more to it than just trying to pick someone good who's having two bad weeks or someone bad who's having two good weeks. That doesn't convince anyone of anything. Don't trade with people and treat them like they're stupid. Assume they know what they're doing and try to find someone where you where you and, and that other the trade partner disagree on the player's value. 
Or maybe you can tap into a frustration where someone might believe in their value, but maybe they don't have the patience to get there. And that's actually the name that I have on my list for today. But let's dive into things. Uh, ads, drops, holds, streamers, watch list guys, buys and sells, the weekend review portion of the proceedings. We will then pivot because we don't have a weekend of games to plan for. Instead, we have all-star festivities, and we're going to do a little bit, not a deep dive necessarily, because there's really only, I don't bet on the actual all-star game. I will, from time to time, flip a couple of coins, very few, on the, uh, what used to be the Saturday festivities, but I think they may have actually moved things around this year. I think it's all on the same day. The three-point contest, skills challenge, dunk contest, all-star game. I think it's all on Sunday this year, right? Either It's either all on Saturday or all on Sunday or all on Monday. I can't remember which one. Either way, it's all on the same damn day, and hopefully you guys are listening to this podcast before all of that happens. So that'll be towards the end of the pod. First thing, however, though, is our promotion we've been running, and I've been starting to get... You guys are now really starting to funnel in a little bit. It was, it was a steady trickle for the first three or four days of the promo, and then all of a sudden, the last day, day and a half, there's been this nice little influx. So I think we're going to get to the prize release threshold here within the next, I would assume, couple of shows, but keep them coming. And the promo, for those that haven't done it yet, I will remind you, is if you leave a five-star review on the podcast and write something, I need there to be a written proof, and screenshot it to me, you can enter yourself in a contest... You are, basically, by screenshotting it, entering yourself in a contest for cash prizes with our partners over at mybookie.ag. It's not promo bucks. This is actual dollars we will put into a betting account for you. Easy peasy. Doesn't have to be a new account. If you've got one there already, that's awesome. You guys can enter as well. And I know what some of you have thought, Dan, I already did one of these for you three years ago. Well... This is where we need you guys to grab someone's phone that you know. And it's got to be iTunes, unfortunately, for those of you that are on Android. So find a computer with iTunes on it. If you have an Apple-branded mobile device, use the podcast app. Either way, search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title. And if you're on the app, scroll down to the bottom. If you're on iTunes on a, on a computer, click on the Rate and Review tab. Do it there. Send the screenshot to either teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. That's the email address, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Or just tweet it at me, at Dan Bespris. I tend to see things when they have little bits of media attached to them. That, again, is at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Get into the contest. There's no purchase necessary. Entering takes all of 90 seconds, and you could win some money. Cool. And you help me out, of course. That's also... a kind of a nice part of this whole thing let's start with the ads as we go through the weekend review because i believe and i think you guys agree that's probably the most important stuff the ad of the week is undoubtedly the time lord robert williams who had been kind of on and off of our rosters we've probably talked about him at least once a week every week since about the third week of the season but it's now truly time lord time which i realize is uh not the the most clever way to find my words there. But he played another 23 minutes in the Celtics final game before the break. His minutes have now trended up from 14 or 15. He's hovering in the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 range. Yes, there will be games where now where he's trying to stay on the floor longer. He's going to have to sort of dial back the defensive aggression. But if he's out there for 20 minutes, he's a goldmine. He's sitting on a gold mine. 10 and 7, three blocks in this last ball game. That's probably the low water mark of what you'd get out of him in 23 minutes. He's been added by the time you guys are listening to this podcast everywhere because his last few games have been so strong. But if you happen to be in a league where you could still turn him up somewhere, then do it. He's still only 44% rostered, 100% in all of my leagues, and has been for quite some time now. But I realize that not all leagues are like my own. Uh, he's he's ready to cash in, basically. He's a top 75 guy probably the rest of the way. The only thing that could get in the Time Lord's path is if Marcus Smart comes back for the Celtics after the All-Star break, and that squeezes the rest of the... Well, the rest of the guys that are not going to lose playing time, meaning Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, if that squeezes them all up one 
space on the floor, except for Kemba, I guess. He'll stay the point guard. Marcus Smart becomes a shooting guard. Jalen Brown slides up to small forward. Jason Tatum slides up to power forward. And then they can't go Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, and Robert Williams at two different spots on the floor. All three of those guys are mushed into the center bucket. So that could... It's weird to think that Marcus Smart coming back could actually hurt Robert Williams maybe more than anyone, but it's quite conceivable. It's just another body, another guy that's going to get 30 minutes a game. It's coming from someplace. Now, this last ball game, you could probably argue it's coming from Jeff Teague. You'd likely have been right, because Teague and Pritchard played a ton, but the Raptors also went real small for long stretches in this game, and the Celtics kind of matched them there. But I, I don't think you can wait to worry about something like that happening. The Time Lord is a must-add, must-start guy until further notice, and he could be a difference maker the rest of the way. Very real chance of that. I put uh, Jayshon Tate back in the ads list because I'm guessing that he was dropped in at least one of your leagues, if you're in a few different ones, and he's turning up on waiver wires in some of my hyper-competitive leagues as well, despite the fact that over the last month he's been inside the top 100. I know he's had sort of a, a down week where he's top 170 over the last week, uh, but his numbers are actually not all that bad there. He's playing 27 minutes a game. He had some foul issues in one of them, and his last ball game he had 12-10 and 10 with two steals and good percentages. So there's a lot to like about Tate in that on the season, he's actually averaging 27 minutes a ball game, and he's at 10 and 5 with a steal and half a block, and 54% from the field. He doesn't hit the three ball, so he's he's a better fit in a league where you you're not hunting threes. And you know, maybe there's some spots out there with that fits the mold. Uh, but this is a team that I still believe is going to be moving PJ Tucker. I know you guys have heard me say that on the pod before, and if or when that happens then there's just sort of nothing standing in Tate's path to playing 30 minutes a ball game. And if he's out there 30 minutes, he's going to be at least close to fantasy value. And when the Rockets start to go into full tank mode, which is not far, another 15, 20 games maybe, near the fantasy playoffs and head-to-head, last, I don't know, 10 to 15 in Roto. This is a bad team. Uh, John Wall is doing everything he can to keep them afloat, and it's not working because Oladipo's a, a shell of himself these days. And then there's just sort of no one else. We'll see what the Christian Wood returns after the break, what that does to the team. Do they go on a little spurt here and kind of wake themselves up? That's kind of the one thing that I think could put a hole in the Jay Sean Tate thoughts. But again, if he's playing 30 minutes, he's going to get you probably six to eight rebounds a game which is well above average, especially for someone who has guard eligibility in a bunch of leagues. He'll get you over a steal a game in that amount of time. Not many assists, no threes, but good field goal percent. So he brings almost like a power forward, an old-fashioned power forward stat set to a guard slot on your team. That's useful. That's interesting and useful. Jay Sean Tate, next guy on my list here of uh, must-add players. The other two healthy players in my ads list are, I put Sadiq Bey back on there. I think there's a chance you might see him popping up on a couple waiver wires because he hasn't actually been as good the last, uh, call it three ball games. And this is to be expected because dude is young. Yeah, he played a little bit more college ball than some of the other guys in, the, in this rookie class. But he is still a rookie. He still hasn't gone through the rigors of an NBA season, and this is a particularly condensed and fast one, COVID year and all that stuff. But, he, you know, he's, he's just sort of quietly putting up okay numbers, and that's, that's who he is going to be on this team this year. If he can get you some 12 or 13 points, five boards, a steal, two, three, something like that, and his percentages don't kill you, which they haven't so far, then he's inside the top 100. Barely, but inside of it. And there will be bumps along the way. Last two weeks, he's just outside the top 100. Last one week, he's at 134 because the field goal percent is bottomed out. But everything else is held pretty steady. The ups and downs of an NBA season. If he gets dropped, you go scoop him up because it's going to average out to a 
must-roster guy. The other uh, living being on the uh, ads list here is Jalen Brunson, who I continue to assume is about to fall off a cliff and continues to not fall off a cliff. I don't fully understand how this is happening, but it's happening. He's inside the top 75 over the last two weeks. Over the last month, he's number 98. And uh, it was actually between two and four weeks when his current hot run started. And he's just, he's shooting the lights out. Over the last month, he's shooting 56% from the field. And the only thing that's holding that number down near the edge of the top 100 is that he has 0.7 steals per game over that stretch. Whereas over the last two weeks, he's actually at 1.2 steals. And that half a steal a game has bumped him up two and a half rounds, basically. That's all it takes when you're down in that 100 range. I continue to believe that the field goal percent is not a sustainable number. He's at 53% for the season right now, shooting 40% from downtown, 85% at the free throw line, and then as we mentioned, you know, like 60% over the last couple of weeks. 60% just isn't going to hold for someone who's, for the most part, a jump shooter. Sure, he'll get around the rim every now and again. Some of that is just playing with Luka, but he's also orchestrating, running some of the second unit attack, 40% from downtown. These are things that, yeah, okay, maybe 40% holds from downtown. Maybe his free throw percent did actually spike a little bit from career 77 to 85 this year. That stuff is believable. But to go from 47% from the field to 53% as not a big man seems, well, I don't want to say it's necessarily unsustainable. It seems that way. Still, he's an ad for now, until he gives us any reason not to be. And with every game, he just carves out a larger and larger role. And so you're at a point where you kind of have no choice but to just stick him at the end of your roster and utilize him where it makes sense. I don't don't know what any other way to explain it. The... <sighs> he's just been, he's been good. And so like avoiding it feels like you're doing it just to make a point. And that's not a good way to go through fantasy life. The other guys on my ads list are stashes, guys that I think are probably playing either right out of the all-star break or very close to it. And the most obvious one is Larry Nance Jr. Because we saw him get dropped in quite a few formats. This was a guy who... You know, whether it was fear of Kevin Love taking his role or just the fact that what he was doing was wildly underappreciated in fantasy circles because he wasn't scoring but for 9.3 points per ball game. Whatever the reason, he got dropped in a lot of spots during his recovery. And he's starting to come back up again now because, you know, the word is that he's, you know, he had the cast taken off and he popped up on a Cavs broadcast and was in good spirits. And I think he's basically ready to go on the other side of the break. So you're starting to see the stash stuff going. But it's weird to see a guy who was a fifth five, fifth round value before his injury just get dropped so easily in so many places. You guys want to know, uh, like, I didn't draft Larry Nance really anywhere. Everybody jumped on him before I could get to him. I need to stop playing in damn leagues with hoopball people. He showed up on at least three of my different of my six money leagues wires. I got him in one. I stashed him in one. It was a league where I had like four other guys injured, and I thought, you know, what the hell. Uh, and then there's one that's a little bit more points formatty, where he's not quite as useful. But one thing that you guys need to remember, and and I'll try to make this somewhat brief because I don't think you need me doing a, a six minute Larry Nance diatribe. He's gonna play. That's what everybody's coming at me, and they're like, what about Kevin Love? What about the different guys they are trying to get onto the floor? They'll figure it out. You know, uh, Jared Allen, he's been great, but I don't know that they necessarily want him playing like 34 minutes a ball game. Kevin Love is not going to play 30 minutes a game this year, and he's going to miss a bunch of games. And then they showed they were willing to play Nance at the three for stretches last year and this year. And remember, Andre Drummond is also out of the picture right now. He's on the trade block, and he's not playing. So Nance is going to get minutes. 
Other thing you need to know about Larry Nance, he led the league in deflections at the time of his injury. So the extraordinarily high steal rate this year wasn't really as fluky as it might have looked. In fact, last year, I would argue the low steal rate was more fluky than anything. Over his career, Larry Nance is at about 1.8 steals per 36. So yeah, 1.9 this year, maybe that comes down to 1.7 if he's playing over 30 minutes of ball game. But looking back at what he's done in his career, two years ago with the Cavs, when he played 27 minutes of ball game, he was at 1.5 steals per game. Also of note, He's probably going to rebound more when he comes back than when he left because Drummond's not playing anymore. As good a rebounder as Jared Allen is and or Kevin Love, there's more opportunity here for Nance with Drummond gone. That dude is a hoover for rebounds. Drummond has his problems as a basketball player in the modern NBA, but rebounding is not one of them. So you're looking at a guy in Nance and... He can never stay on the floor when he plays 30 minutes of ballgame, but it seems like that's what they want him out there for. 30-some-odd minutes. He's not going to score much. Nine and change points is all you can expect. I bet you get him up and over seven rebounds. He had over three assists a game, which is actually not that crazy because he's kind of a facilitator on this team right now. And the massive steals numbers. He got dropped because he didn't score. It's as simple as that. By the way, he's up to 1.33s per game this year, too, for whatever that's worth. So stash him immediately. The other stashes that have come across my plate are DeLon Wright, who is set to be reevaluated over the All-Star break. So hopefully we'll get word that he's relatively close. And then Aaron Gordon, who I'm I'm strapping on the tinfoil hat a little bit here. He's on the block. I think he's probably ready to go right now and we haven't heard anything about it because I'm betting the Magic are trying to move him. We've heard the uh, Timberwolves might be interested. He's the least interesting of the stashes that I think are coming back quite soon. There's a second tier of stashes that are probably coming back more towards the mid-late part of the month. D'Angelo Russell probably looking at more towards like March 25th, if I had to guess. Karis LeVert is probably back in that neck of the woods as well. And then there's even a third tier of guys that are probably coming back even later than that. DeAndre Hunter probably coming back right at the beginning of April, if I had to guess. And then TJ Warren, who we have no idea when that dude's coming back, if at all. And so he's probably the last one on the list right now, just because the only reports we've gotten on Warren is that he's not close at all. We did get a report Thursday morning that C.J. McCollum has been cleared for contact work at practice, and Yusuf Nurkic is set to be reevaluated in a week. The Nurk one, I don't really know what to make of. Uh, his was a hand injury, so you know it's seemingly when the pain is gone and the risk of re-breaking something is gone, then he'll just sort of be good to go. With McCollum, there's a whole process here, because everything these guys are doing is foot-related. But the fact that he's been cleared for contact work means they're they're being pretty methodical, judicious with the rehab, and so maybe you even get McCollum on the other side of the break. I don't know. If not, uh, I would put him. I'd put him middle of the month. Call it between the fifteenth and the twenty second. That's my one week window where I think we get McCollum back. Which of course is going to detonate Gary Trent Jr. And then when Nurk comes back. It's not going to completely obliterate Ennis Cantor. Remember, he was actually decent even before Nurk got hurt. Uh, but yeah, it is obviously going to knock him down a peg. So that's your stash discussion. The holds on my list of this week gone by. The holds are Davis Bertans, Nick Batum, Jakob Pertl, and maybe Keldon Johnson. That one's a maybe. I could I could be convinced to throw him into the drop pile. Davis Bertans, I know you guys are probably getting tired of me talking about him. He's just... He's too good to be a drop, although I also realize that if you dropped him, he probably wouldn't get picked up right now. He's been better lately, though. I think we can all agree on that. He's hit at least two three-pointers in four games in a row. He's hit at least two three-pointers in, I think, something like 11 of his last 13 ball games. He has a five. He has three games where he's hit five. He has a nine mixed in there. So the trend line 
is better. He's number 106 over the last month. Still, by the way, only shooting 42% over that stretch and still not getting the usage that he had last season. So there's still significant room for improvement. We just need... Really, we just need Russell Westbrook to step out of the way. Problem is, he ain't stepping out of the way. This is Russ, for one. And then the thought was, like, maybe the Wizards would just be so horrible that at some point they'd have to kind of take a little bit of the reins away from Russ. But the Wiz have actually gone 7-3 and three in their last 10 ball games, And at 14-20, and 20, they are but two games out of the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. And I think that actually also makes them two games out of the play-in tournament. So they ain't going anywhere. In fact, there are so many teams in the Eastern Conference right now that can convince themselves they have something to play for. It's going to make it harder to rip the bandage off. I think the Magic are going to rip the bandage off. I don't think anybody else in the East is. Pistons started the year with no bandage on, so I'm not I'm not putting them in in this discussion. But I would argue that the top 11 teams in the East all have a pretty legitimate shot at it. And then the Wizards, the Cavs, the Magic, those three teams are like, yeah, look, we're not that far away. We're not about to throw in the towel yet. So I don't know that the Davis thing is going to be this big turnaround that maybe we were hoping for, but... He has the ability to cruise inside the top 100 just because of that shot. Nick Batum I put on the hold list, and this one is becoming tougher and tougher to abide by as well. Although, I would argue that after coming back from the concussion, he had four games where he was just not at all himself. His last four have been okay, if unspectacular. His value is tied up in the fact that he does pretty much everything on the floor with decent percentages, except score, really. He does all the other stuff. He's like an eight-cat guy, but the missing category is actually shooting the basketball. His field goal percent is decent this year. Free throw percent is a positive. His two threes a game, five boards, two and a half assists, 1.2 steals. Okay, the .4 blocks is not exactly a, a glowing endorsement. One thing you've also noticed here since coming back from the concussion, the steals and blocks have been pretty much gone. He has a total of uh, five steals and three blocks over those eight games. So I think that'll probably equilibrate, I'm hoping in the upward direction, closer to what he was before having to miss a few ball games. But also positive news. He had two three-pointers in the first four games after coming back, and he has nine in the last four games after that. The rebounds, first four games after coming back, he had 14. Last four, 21. So things are coming around for Batum very quietly. But the difference for him between the last week, where he's been about a top 100 guy, and the previous week where he was like a top 250 guy, it's substantial. So I think he belongs on fantasy teams as well. I saw him. He got dropped in a bunch of places also. And so now you got all these guys that are floating around that I'm like, oh, go ahead and add them. Uh, Dan, where am I going to put all these guys? Jakob Pertl I threw on this list just because some people might look at the Spurs game from Thursday and think, oh no, the sky is falling, but he was in foul trouble. So just don't worry about it, guys. Five fouls, 22 and a half minutes in their win, or sorry, their loss to the Thunder. He'll be better in the next one. He's been a top 75 guy as a starter, and it doesn't look like that's going anywhere. Trey Lyles played well. Can't imagine that's going to stick. And then the other hold, although, again, this one is a bit more tenuous, is Keldon Johnson, who came off the bench, did play 22 minutes in this ball, this most recent ball game after playing 10 his first game back after COVID. Nine points, three rebounds, a three ball, a steal, and an assist. He had been trending down. He had been more like a top 160, 170 type of guy after a really hot start to the year. But he scores... I presume he'll end up in the starting lineup probably on the other side of the All-Star break. He scores, he rebounds, he gets you about a about a three-pointer a game. The thing that was hurting him was that his steals and blocks had really fallen off a cliff. They, they were okay to start the year, and then they went from okay to non-existent. We don't know enough about him to know whether we can expect those to come back. This is his second season if I'm not mistaken. And then last year, he really didn't play much at all. 17 games. Uh, he averaged 18 minutes a game in the ones that he played, but he shot 60%, and this year he's at 47. 
You know, last year was the more anomalous result. He did average .8 steals in those 18 minutes, and he's still at .8 this season. So I wonder if that's a number that maybe moves back up again. I don't know. I don't know. There's just there's not enough book on this dude to then that's why that's why I'm not dropping him because like if we had a book on him and it said oh this is a guy who gets .8 steals per game then the 14 and seven wouldn't be enough. It's just not enough other stuff. But if the steals and blocks come back up a little bit, maybe his role continues to evolve this year. Perhaps the free throw percent from 78 gets up and over 80 as the season progresses. There's a lot of little things that could change that move him from top 115 back more towards top 85, top 90. Like It doesn't take much to make that leap. So you got to hold on there, especially as he's working his way back and getting the conditioning. Streamers, I don't know if they're going to exist after the All-Star break, so we're going to go do these fast. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has been great. I know his last game before the break wasn't awesome, but if DeLon Wright's not ready to go after the All-Star break, Dennis Smith Jr. is a must-stream guy. Wayne Ellington has been streaming his butt off with Josh Jackson out on Detroit. Will Barton has been a nice streamer with the entire Nuggets roster taken out of out of play, injury or health and safety stuff. Kelly Olynyk, great streamer for Bam, who missed the last game before the break. Josh Hart, great game filling in for Zion. We've talked about the Nets ad nauseum this week. Bruce Brown, DeAndre Jordan, great streamers with KD and Jeff Green out. But here's the thing. By the way, I also put Evita Zubats on this list because just as sort of season numbers go, he falls kind of into the, you know, drop him in if you need 10 points and 8 rebounds kind of guy. But the rest of these... I'm pretty sure Jeff Green will be back after the All-Star break. Zion, Bam, someone on the Nuggets probably will be back. Josh Jackson will probably be back. I don't know for sure, but the guys that I think might not be back are Kevin Durant, who it seems like his thing is is relatively serious, and they're sort of kind of slow playing it a little bit. And then DeLon Wright with a groin thing. You know, Maybe he's good to go. Like It sounds like it wasn't that bad, but... You know, there might be another week or two on the other side of the break where he's ramping back into shape. You cannot screw around with the groins thing or it'll just come back and get worse. So I think you could probably hold Dennis Smith Jr. through the break. He was good enough here in a limited sample size to warrant sitting on him for this week off. And that's maybe DeAndre Jordan, but probably not. I think the rest of these guys, what I did, and I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast, what I've done with most of my streaming slots during this All-Star break, is I've picked up the stash guys that I talked about in the last segment uh, a couple minutes ago, or the ads, the stash ads. I picked up those stash ad guys that are farther off, like the uh, like a D'Angelo Russell who got dropped in one of my leagues, or like a TJ Warren or a DeAndre Hunter. Pick those guys up with the hope, basically, that we get some kind of positive or really any update during the All-Star break. You know, we we had an update last week, or earlier this week, I think, that said, well, DeAndre Hunter was considering a platelet-rich plasma treatment, PRP, they call it. But that doesn't mean anything to us. That doesn't tell us how long he'd be out if he got such a treatment. The expectation was that he was going to miss 7 to 10 weeks, and he's about 3 to 4 weeks into that timetable now. So he could be back by the end of March. It might be more like mid to late April. We don't know. Does the PRP speed that up? That's why I thought, all right, screw it. Like, I'll drop uh, who's on that streamer's list. I dropped Bruce Brown in a spot. He was a wonderful streamer for a couple of ball games here with everybody hurt on the nets. Filled in admirably, but I don't know that he's going to have a role. He'll have a role, but the role we'd need when KD and Jeff Green come back and everybody gets sort of pushed out. Whatever. Point is, I dropped Bruce Brown, and I picked up a DeAndre Hunter, uh, just kind of hoping that over the next seven days, we get a report on him. If we don't, I might throw him back into the free agent pool and go back to streaming that roster slot. But if we get any kind of update on him that says something to the effect of, oh, you know, DeAndre Hunter, this, that, and the other thing he's expected to rejoin the team for practices in two weeks or something like that, then I'd probably just sit on him. And what it does is it gets you guys, or in this case me, and then maybe also you guys, it gets you kind of out in front of these 
stash dudes. Everybody else is waiting for the report. You go out and you grab them, and you hope the report comes out during the downtime. Use the downtime effectively here. A couple other quick lists for you. Watch list, guys. Alfred Payton with Derek Rose and health and safety stuff. I'm guessing he'll be back on the other side of the break, but we don't know for sure. Isaiah Roby, should the Thunder inch towards shutting down Al Horford? Because I think he's done a pretty good job of proving he's still got game. Uh, Isaiah Roby's been pretty good when they've called upon him to start games. He played 28 minutes on Thursday, had 12 and 6 with a couple of steals. He's more of a steals center, by the way, than a blocks center. Keep that in mind. But if he's a starting center on an NBA team, you, you pretty much grab him because the backup is Mike Mascala, who's, by the way, been pretty good this year, but not exactly the future in OKC. So he's on my watch list right now. Nick Claxton in Brooklyn's on my watch list. I can't imagine that he can do much more than he's doing right now because DeAndre Jordan's going to play center minutes, and Jeff Green comes back. He will too. Daniel House, Sterling Brown, and Houston are on the watch list. You guys know why. We've already talked about the P.J. Tucker stuff. Danilo Gallinari, who's gone, he, he has been about as inconsistent as anybody in the NBA, alternating two or three really bad games and then one colossal monster mega dunk of a game. And thanks to that, over the last week he's and two weeks, he's actually inside the top 100. It's, a, it's been a tough... It's weird. it's weird to watch those two weeks and to think that he's actually been inside the top 100 over that stretch thanks to two monster games. Remember, he had that 10 three-pointer game against Boston on February 24th. He also had 23-9-6 and six with two steals and a block in their last game before the All-Star break in Orlando. And then around those, he's been horrendous. He had a 5.1 assist game blended in there. He had a 12 and 5 with two steals game, 8 and 5, 6 and 4, 8 and 4. He's always going to be useful at the free throw line. That's an area that throughout his entire career he's been a, a big fantasy winner. He's making 3 out of 3.2 this year, so that's kind of right back where it was. One of the notes here on Gallo that jumps out is is the field goal percent is still extraordinarily low. And even over these last couple of weeks where he's been ranked better, the field goal percent is still exceptionally low. The thing that's up for him over these two weeks is that he's at 1.3 steals per ball game, which I, I don't think I need to tell you guys isn't going to stick. For his career, he's at 0.8 steals in about 31 minutes of ball game. He's not playing 31 minutes this year, so getting to 0.8 also feels a bit far-fetched. So you're in a Limited sample size, Gallo's getting steals run. And if you wipe those out, he falls back outside the top 100. So I don't know that he's a must-add player right now, but he's definitely on my watch list. And if he's floating around on a waiver wire, and you have a team where you just, you know, you got dead weight you could cast aside, he would be a guy to consider sitting on. At least give him a shot. But it might not work out. And that's why he's on my watch list. Michael Carter-Williams is on my watch list. He's been really good their last two ball games, But I, I do think that if the Magic don't trade Aaron Gordon and he comes back and he goes back to facilitating a bit and Evan Fournier can maybe finally get healthy for more than four or five games in a row, I, I don't know how Carter-Williams gets even close to value in category leagues. He is still on my radar for points leagues, but he hasn't cleared the, the threshold yet. And then his teammate, Al-Faruq Aminu, I saw the blurb pop up on Aminu, which I on Yahoo, which I think is provided by Roto World. That's just like there's there's no reason to even pay attention to this dude. I disagree with that because I think there's always a reason to pay attention to guys, and Aminu's last ball game was quite good. It's gonna take a lot more than that one game to wake me up, though. Fourteen and eight to assist two blocks. This is the same thing again. What if Aaron Gordon gets traded? What if he doesn't and they just play Gordon at the three? Like we talked about, I think, on Monday's show, Aminu right now is sort of a Jonathan Isaac placeholder. He's not going to score. 14 points might be a season high. I know they were right now, but they might actually be a season high at the end of the season. But he can get you 6-8 rebounds if he's playing starters minutes. He'll get you a couple of assists because he's just sort of out there. And if they're moving the ball, he'll give it to someone who's better scoring threat than he is. And then he'll get you a three ball and maybe a steal and maybe a block. 
So yeah, there's a reason to pay attention to it. Is he addable now? No. But people do crazier things. And your drops. Oh, he's the hardest category of all. The drops. Jeremy Lamb is a drop for me. I don't know what's going on there, but he's been terrible lately. Bobby Portis, back on the drops list. Just when I was starting to think, you know what? Maybe he's going to make this damn thing last all season long. He's been quite bad for basically three out of his last four games and like six out of his last eight. He's been pretty bad. And as a result, he has now fallen right to the edge of the top 100. This is about as low as he's been ranked at any point all season long, and it's because he's been quite bad over the last two weeks. Maybe quite bad is not the right term. He's you know hovering in that 150 range, and that's probably what we should have expected all season long because he wasn't playing that many minutes. On the season, he's averaging 22 minutes a ball game, and he's somehow putting up 11-7 and seven with a steal and a three-pointer on big field goal percent. But we've compared this before on this very podcast to his career numbers. He's shooting a solid 8% over his career mark this year. The three-pointers have come down a little bit as a fraction of his overall shots, but he's shooting 51% from downtown. If you think that's going to stick, I've got a bridge to sell you. He's getting seven rebounds in 21 minutes, which... He's a good rebounder, but he's, you know, in his career, he's been more about six in that amount of time. And fine, maybe we could just argue that in this unit and whatever pace, maybe the seven holds. Uh, 0.9 steals in 21 minutes. That's never been something he's gotten close to in 21 minutes. Never. It's been more in the half a steal, 0.4, 0.3 blocks realm. So there's all this stuff that seemed like it was coming down, and it's starting to. So I'm fine with getting out in front of that. Theo Maladon, uh, well, basically all the Thunder aside from Shea, Horford, and I think we talked about Roby kind of being on your watch list right now. The, Maladon is just sort of uh, not interested in, in getting involved yet, which is a shame because he had 7-7-5 seven, seven and five with a three ball and played 29 minutes as a starting point guard on an NBA team. But, of course, Shea is kind of the real point guard. Maladon gets his assists just by being out there for a while and being a point guard on a floor. I need to see him take a shot. Six shots in 29 minutes just isn't enough. Kenrich Williams took six shots in 26 minutes. You can't be the guy on the roster who has the second lowest usage to tie Jerome. You need to do something when you're out there. Take a shot, make a pass, drive, anything at all. And it could still come around. So that's the thing. He's a drop right now because he just he hasn't been doing anything with his minutes. Simple as that. But I could change my tune on him on any show coming up here. Might be might be on the very next show we do. I don't know. But in his 36, 37 minutes a game he's playing here as a starter, he's putting up top 190 value because he's just not doing anything. It's boring. Super boring. Too boring even for me. Gary Trent is on my drops list. CJ's getting close, and he's kind of been a three-pointers guy only. And then the last name who didn't make any of my lists, he didn't fit any criteria, is DeAnthony Melton, who continues to frustrate in a special, special way. He's number 110 on the season in 20 and a half minutes of ball game, And I keep saying to myself, well, 20 and a half minutes, that seems pretty easy to get to. And then he comes out and plays 15 in their narrow defeat at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks. Despite getting two three-pointers and three steals in his 15 minutes, something he's doing out there is not to the delight of his head coach. I don't know how we get over that hump. He's number 100, by the way, after you factor in this big three-steal game. So you can't drop him, but I don't know that you can start him in a lot of formats because of how wildly inconsistent he's been. Luckily, even in 16-ish minutes in some of these horrendous games where he just gets yanked real fast, he's put up I don't want to say serviceable fantasy numbers, but he's put up acceptable fantasy numbers even in those spots. But we just need you to get into the 20s. That's all we're asking for here. So he needs to be on rosters. I guess we could call him a hold for that sake. But, you know, they play the Wizards coming out of the All-Star break, and the team will be 
more healthy then than they are now. And so the minutes just keep getting harder and harder to come by. I, I don't know how you use him in a, in a Roto Games Cap format when you have no idea if he's going to play 24 or 14 minutes that night. It's a big difference. 24 minutes, he's a top 80 guy. 14 minutes, he's top 130. I don't want to use up a games cap on a 130. I do want to use up a games cap on a top 80. That'd be swell. Especially because a lot of these teams I'm talking about, for me at least, I need assists. I need steals. I need good percentages in a three ball or two. Maybe I don't need 15, 16 points. I'd be perfectly satisfied with 10. Just keep me in the game there, DeAnthony Melton. Reminder here in the middle of the show to please open up an account with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. They are our longest and uh, most beloved partner here at HoopBall and on Fantasy NBA Today. Mybookie.ag. You bet you win. They pay. The website, again, mybookie.ag. Use promo code HoopBall when you sign up. It's on the third screen, the sign-up window. There's there's the first screen where you make your, I think it's the username, and then the second one you do your address, and the third one is how did you hear about us. And you put in the word HoopBall, all one word, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, no hyphens or anything like that. And when you do it, unfortunately, it doesn't say anything like, hey, thanks for entering this promo code. It just takes you to the next page and you can unlock different promotions when you make your first deposit. But I'll say it before, I'll say it again. Uh, make your first deposit, and then let me know you did so. By the way, I also want to mention, to those of you listening to this podcast, if any of you have a HoopBall 360 membership or a Wager Pass membership, hit me up either through Discord or on Twitter, because I have likely a MyBookie-related promotion that we might be able to use for you. Uh, provided you haven't actually popped an account open. What I'll also mention too, and again, go to mybookie.ag, open that promo code with ho- uh, promo code HoopBall, and uh, follow all of our guys over at HoopBall Gaming. What I also want to mention here, and I, and I talked about it earlier in the show, is that if any of you guys have a premium subscription with us here at HoopBall, and you're not in the Discord chat, and you don't have to be there all the time, but you should at least have it open or check in on it from time to time, because uh, plays are happening in there on the wagering side. Fantasy questions are being answered in there all day long. I just popped in there today and I answered like 15 or 20 questions. Because those you guys are the premium subs. And we want to make sure you guys have the access that you're looking for here at HoopBall. So please let me know if you need Discord access. And if you don't have a premium subscription, check them out. The Fantasy Pass is just $4.99 a month. The wager pass is only $9.99 a month, which is the most insane thing ever. You're getting now nine handicappers information for $9.99 a month. Nine handicappers. Normally, one capper sells one play for anywhere from $10 to $50. And you are getting... Oh, uh, hell, I'll look at the Thursday card, and I'll, I'll just count it up for you. Um... The, uh, am I looking at the right card? Yeah, Thursday card. Uh, Troy had two plays. Devin had four. Joe had two. I had four. Nope, this is not right. (laughs) I'm counting it wrong. It's close. Blake had three. Doug had something like eight or nine between two sports. I mean, this is like, this is serious stuff. And that is... That one thread with all those plays and all that information and the write-ups on everything was 33 cents. That's what it ran, yeah. 33 cents. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So please do check that out. That's at hoop-ball.com. Uh, and, and please do hop into our Discord. Make sure to jump on our the Rate a Show promo as well. Let's take a minute here towards the end of the program to talk about the All-Star Game. Coming up. I think this weekend, I've lost track of exactly what day it is, but it doesn't matter because we're going to talk about the three contests and give you the odds on them and anything we might actually be able to exploit, which eh, is not that great. Let's start with the slam dunk contest because to me, this one is the least interesting of the three, uh, if only because there are only three competitors. It's, uh, it's a bit underwhelming. So the, it's going to be a lot shorter they have the two dunks in the first round and then two dunkers go to the second round. So, like, 
everybody has really good chances of winning, and because of that, the odds are kind of crummy. Obi Toppin is plus 150, Anthony Simons is plus 175, and Cassius Stanley is plus 200. I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't know who Cassius Stanley was prior to hearing about him joining the, uh, the dunk contest. I believe he's a member of the Indiana Pacers. He's played eight games this year. He's played a total of about 23 minutes. But he can jump, so that'll get you in there. At this point, that's probably your bet if you're going to make one because uh, Anthony Simons, decent enough, but actually has done most of his damage in Portland as an outside shooter. Obi Toppin is interesting, but perhaps a tiny bit, a little bulky, which I know is sort of a weird complaint to have, but, like, uh, he can dunk. He's, he's strong. He can leap. I, I would go with the, with the unknown. We saw Tumpin, uh, Toppin, excuse me, one of the tweets that's flying around here uh, that's resurfaced from his time in Dayton was doing a between-the-legs dunk in the middle of a ball game. But you know what he doesn't have? The guys that seem like they're flying. The guys that seem like they're still going up as they dunk it. I don't know anything about Cassius Stanley. Nothing about him. Uh, But I do know that he's in the dunk contest, and I do know that he has the build, which is, I I get it, it's it's sort of a rudimentary way to to break this thing down. He's a two-way player, by the way. He's on a two-way contract. He has the build of the guys that often win this thing, which is sort of, it's wings... It's guys that are leapers. It's the guys that hang in the air and then dunk it. Now, it's going to come down to whether or not he can convert, but if I'm throwing any dollars on any of these guys, it's on Stanley just because of how dunks look when certain guys do them. I'd be kind of surprised, actually, if Toppin won because he's it's almost a little bit too big. But as I mentioned before, dunk contest probably the least interesting of them because even on Stanley, you're only getting two to one odds. The skills challenge is a weird one. Luka Doncic at plus 200, Chris Paul plus 225, Demonis Sabonis at plus 400, Rob Covington at plus 500, Nick, uh, Nico Vucevic at plus 650, and Julius Randle at plus 800. This one's really going to come down to whether or not the guards care because they're in it. So it makes me feel like they must. And if they do, then, you know, someone like a Chris Paul at plus 225 seems like he should be able to run away with this thing easily. If you want to go big man, you go Julius Randle because he has the passing ability and he has the quicks in a way that, you know, a Vooch or a Sabonis doesn't. Sabonis is a great passer, but he's not quick. Vooch is a very good basketball player, but he's not quick. Rob Covington, I don't even know what the hell he's doing in this challenge. This is a guy who's averaged, what, like one and a half assists for his entire career? And there's passing parts of this thing. Uh, Randall's been an unbelievable shooter from downtown this year, and you sort of you can ride the hot hand a little bit there. Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, those guys are the guard, so that's why they're favored in this thing. But I also wonder if they don't kind of throw it into cruise control a little bit. So I would go with the long shot. And if you want to split up a unit... You could go a third of a unit on Doncic, a third on Paul, and a third on Julius Randle and hope that your long shot comes in. Then if any one of those three wins, you end up up. Or even. I guess if Doncic wins, you break even because it's two to one there. You'd make back the money you lost on your other two thirds of a unit. If Chris Paul hits, you make like a couple of cents. And if Randle hits, then, you know, you make, whatever it is, unit and a half, something like that. So I like Julius Randle there in the skills challenge. I think he seems like the kind of guy who really wants to capitalize on this all-star experience. So at 8-1, to one, why the hell not, you know? And, and that may have changed, actually, by the time you guys listen to this thing, but I like Randle there. And finally, the three-point contest, always my favorite one to think through, and they've got a hell of a lineup here. This has become the dunk contest, basically, which, you know, it used to be the dunk contest was the... Pre the the that was the 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 headliner and the other stuff opened for it and now 
Three-point contest is kind of the headliner. The dunk contest and then the skills challenge is fair. But you got Steph, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum in the three-point contest. Those are six big NBA names. And you got pretty good names in the skills challenge also, mind you. But it's not... I mean, Luca is your Mondo name there. And then obviously Chris Paul. But like... I would argue all six names in the three-point contest, these guys are star or superstar level players with powerhouse name recognition. I don't know that there's a great pick here because Steph at plus 190, if, if he gets even warm, he can roast these guys. Zach Levine, uh, there's a lot of leg to his shot which I think makes that a little bit tougher. Donovan Mitchell's had a really good year. He could surprise some people, but there's a streakiness to his game. Devin Booker at 5-1 to one is surprising because he did win it three, four years ago. I've lost track of time now. Steph won it as well, and he's always in that last bracket. As much as I love Donovan Mitchell having a career year from three and Zach Levine having a career year from three, I think I give it to the guys that have been there. I think Steph and Booker are the guys you look at trying to do it again. And if those guys don't hit, then you probably look at Zach Levine just because he's been he's been hot. He's been on fire pretty much the entire season to this point. And those are my f- uh, favorite props. Are uh, they props, I guess? I don't know. They're futures, whatever you want to call it, for the all-star festivities for the game itself i will not be wagering on that maybe we find some prop stuff as it's going through like look at all-star game mvp we can we can do that stuff on social media there's a reason to hang out with me on twitter during all this stuff we'll we'll try to isolate some uh all-star game things and for mvp you always want to look at the guys that that take it more seriously you know who who has that kobe weirdness in them to where they actually want this thing to to be sort of part of their lore. I feel like Giannis probably falls into that bucket. Booker probably falls into that bucket as someone that was added on as an injury replacement. That type of stuff. And, but again, we'll talk about that on social media. I thought that this show might go in the 70-minute range. It looks like we might be getting it done a little bit closer to 60. And for that, I feel generally okay okay then uh we will have shows all of next week fear not uh we'll probably do shows as i mentioned before we'll likely do a show talking almost exclusively about stash players and we hinted at a few of the eh, more than hinted on on today's show we'll go a little bit more deep divey on these guys especially as we start to get some info on when they might be coming back uh, we'll do a show next week on the second half of the schedule since we have that and there are a, a few things that jump out. Nothing completely crazy, but you know some teams that lost three, four, five games in the first half to COVID or power outage postponements have some loaded portions of the schedule and you might actually be able to make a little headway in a, a potential trade down. This is a little bit more, I think, for head-to-head than Roto. You could trade down to get a guy who's got three or four extra games and collect on their extra totals as opposed to the per-game stuff. And then we'll also talk a bit about ROI. I think that might be the third show next week. Um, This is a a critical point in the season, the halfway point now, where you kind of know what your team is, with some exceptions, like I have a team that had three, four guys hurt pretty much the entire year to this point. I'm somehow staying afloat. I have another team that had four or five guys out most of the year. That one did not stay afloat. Why on earth did I play head-to-head leagues this year? I kept saying, that's idiotic. But then people were like, Dan, join my head-to-head league. And I was like, ah, yeah, I do love playing fantasy basketball. And so I joined more. (laughs) Idiot. Uh, So that'll be a show next week as well. We'll talk trades, ROIs, things of that nature, how you really set yourself up. Uh, to attack the second half, and then before you know it, we'll have ball games again. I think they're back on uh, Wednesday the 10th. Thursday, to w- yeah, the shorter All-Star break. Only six days, I think, this year. Thanks for listening every day, folks. Thanks for getting through the first half with us here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am still Dan Bespris. It's who I was at the beginning of the show. It's who I am here at the end. At Dan Bespris on Twitter, let's continue our Rate the Pod contest. Win yourself some money. Leave a five-star review. 
write something nice, screenshot it at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Have a nice break, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.